Hello, and welcome to Shark Bait, where we learn about one of the ocean's most feared megafauna. We are your host. My name is Morgan. And I am Conrad. Let's dive into today's episode, Who is the Real Shark? In this episode, we cover different perceptions of sharks throughout communities of South Caicos. We interview marine scientists and the general public on their perceptions of sharks. Are you afraid of the big bad wolf? <gasps> How about spiders? Oh no. Or the scariest of all these villains, the shark. <gasps> think about how these predators are villainized in society. We start young, think about Bruce and Finding Nemo, or Jaws as we get older. Who's the real shark in question? How have people's perceptions been shaped throughout their life? Rod, how do you feel about sharks? Well, when I was younger, I will admit, I was afraid to encounter sharks in the wild. This is because the media and visual arts portrayed them as bloodthirsty killers. Although from a young age, I was taught to respect nature and treat organisms within the environment with respect. Through personal experience and furthering my education in the marine science realm, I have learned to love and respect them. I swam with sharks in Palau and here in Turks and Caicos, and through both of these experiences, I was able to get a better understanding of what realistic shark behavior looks like. I was able to distinguish between actual shark behavior and the wrongful cinematic portrayal. As an environmental scientist, I have preconceived perceptions of conservation after a mixed education. I know the importance of predatory organisms like sharks to their specific environments, which helps shape my perception in favor of sharks. How has your background influenced your perception of sharks, Morgan? Well, growing up in Arizona, I didn't receive a lot of education about marine science. I would watch YouTube videos and look at picture books about fish and sharks. I found that my search history always revolved around shark videos. I have always had a fascination for this species and for the marine world. It wasn't really until I was 11 or 12 that I got interested in sharks when watching Shark Week. Looking back as a young child, I can understand where a negative perception could be developed from media, such as Shark Week or various movies. Then again, I have always been on the more extreme side of things, and I've never feared sharks. I've always viewed them as a species to protect. Together, Morgan and I want to know how knowledge varies across different affected backgrounds and how this influences policy. We know that sharks are a telltale factor of a healthy reef ecosystem. They keep fish populations healthy and in check feeding on injured, sick, and old fish to sustain a healthy population. Without this large apex predator, species equilibrium has seen to be in deep decline. These declining numbers can be traced back to shark finning, bycatch, competition with fishermen, fear of the species from fishermen and the general public, as well as lack of knowledge. For these reasons, we want to ask a variety of people from different backgrounds, young and old, what their perceptions are of sharks and how these different views translate to policies in their favor. When talking with some of the residents of South Caicos, we wanted to start off with the youngest generation. This is the reaction we received when asking some local children at soccer practice about their opinion on sharks. Sharks are deadly. Deadly? Yes. How are they deadly? They have sharp teeth and, and they can swim very fast. They can eat you and they can cut you in the back of their tail. They got gills. They got gills? Can they swim for a long time? And they swim fast. They swim fast? When they, when they chase and fish. And they, they eat, bite. And they eat people. Because they bite people's legs off and they eat people. Do you guys have any cool stories about sharks? Yes. Yeah? What is it, Angel? Uh, sharks. Sharks eat people and, and they follow people. And they follow people? And they have that yeah. tail and it's cut people's head off. They cut people's heads off with yeah. their tails? And they have um, that, that sharp hammer thing. sharp. The, the sharp things on their back, their fins? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And it can breathe on it day. Yeah. Do you guys think sharks do any good things no. for the environment? No. Only dolphins. Only dolphins do? Interviewing the kids at soccer practice was really fun. I was really surprised that none of them had very good perceptions towards sharks. I thought we would get one or two. Yeah, it was interesting that they all kind of said the, same, said the same thing. Yeah, I feel like this could be due to what they're taught and the type of environment they're encompassed in here in South Caicos. It's also probably related to the perceptions that their fishermen or their parents have taught them throughout their lives. I guess it makes sense on some fronts because in South Caicos, over 70% of the population relies on fishing for a source of income, and an even larger portion relies on fishing as a source of sustenance. And if sharks are interfering with this, there may be a negative thought process towards the species. Yeah, that makes sense. It was also interesting that a lot of these kids had a negative perception, but they had never even seen a shark in real life before. Yeah, and this definitely is showing that this negative perception is taught throughout their lifetime. I also thought it was interesting that a lot of the kids not only had a fear of the shark itself, but they pointed out some of the um, body parts of the sharks, like the tail was mentioned a lot, as well as the teeth. It was really funny. One of the kids even told me they think shark tastes like chicken. It was also cool to hear that some of them have seen sharks in real life and they didn't fear them. But one of the kids said that they saw a shark being butchered on the docks and it had babies in it, which could possibly be a traumatizing event for a young kid. Yeah, for sure. I think it would be really important to hear from a younger fisherman's point of view on the island to see if they have similar outlooks on sharks to the kids. Well, I think I know just the guy that'll give us the answers we need. We have, I have my head shock on. He had a six old kid. He named Demon. When the shark come, he had a humming song. I got six conch in my hand and ready to make my next dive. And I was feeding him shells and he was barking them. Really? Didn't come to me. When he come, this nigga had me kind of jumping the boat, circle around me like this here. I fall, I show, I press, I ain't shit, but I show, I pee, I, but I don't know if I shit. But I can't get to the boat. We presented this younger fisherman with some questions to get a better understanding of his perceptions of sharks. His perceptions were very mixed and at times hard to follow. He said he respects them, but at the same time, he doesn't think twice about having to kill one. Do you think the shark population around Turks and Caicos or South Caicos is affecting the fishing community? Never. Never. No. Never. Nowhere. Because they is here. Yeah. And we don't kill them out. Let me get one. We eat it. See the ocean right there? Mm -hmm. You don't have millions of sharks in the ocean. Is it usually accidentally that people are catching them? No, we only kill the big tigers, mm -hmm. hammerheads, and the shallow water. That's when they come in closer. They come in in the winter. Mm -hmm. the whales done, they come in the winter. And I've been attacked three times by the beasts. <laughs> they is in Miami because they next to Great White. Really? The tigers? And they live around here by the hundreds in the winter. And they always like shallow water. Shark don't play. But shark don't really attack you. Unless they sense you for it. Mm -hmm. If you turn around and face him, I can turn around and face you like this here. They ain't gonna touch. Mm -hmm. You turn your back, they never, they're just like a dog. So, they got the same species like a dog. A mad dog, he'll bark, bark. That's a coward dog. Mm -hmm. A dog will sneak, he'll lay down and just run and bite. If you stop to him, he can stop. That's how a shark is. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you face him, if you face him, and showing me a target, but I'll shoot you with my something. When he mentioned there were millions of sharks in the ocean, this really stuck with me. I feel like this is a very common perception of many people around the world in other instances. 
the perception that it doesn't matter if I kill one shark or what have you, because there are so many out there. But the bigger issue is that it's not just one shark being killed. Millions of people are killing one shark around the world. This is a bigger impact. Yeah, I agree. By doing further research, I found that the American Oceans Organization mentioned that in estimation about 100 million sharks are killed per year, which converts to 6.4 to 7.9% of shark species being killed, amounting to over 11,416 sharks per hour. Yeah, I've heard stats similar to those before. He also mentioned how they compete with fishermen in tournament fishing and eat the fish on the end of their reel. He goes on to say, if they're eating so well, how are they going to disappear? which I also thought was a very interesting perception. Since these fishermen already have mixed experiences and encounters with sharks, it may not be logical to promote conservation to them. Promoting conservation of sharks rather than a flagship species like turtles, like on Deep did, may be difficult because of people's bad perceptions or lack of knowledge towards them prior to conservation efforts. We saw this in his story about tagging and Provo. He want to pay me $500 to take sharks. He's got to be a stupid up. I going to take sharks because, see, when they go fishing, too much sharks eat their goddamn mallard and tuna. So they know every time they grab them fish, them sharks eating them tuna while they got it on their reel and they sports fishing and eating their shit because they got to make money. They in tournament. And they eating good. So how they can go? Use your common sense now. How they can go? They eating good. Yeah. But you want to tell me come take shark? Who going to take a fucking beast? Not me. To see if this negative perceptions of sharks was carried throughout generations, we also interviewed one of the widely respected older fishermen. Have you heard of any stories here about people getting bit? Well, we had one story here that I know. One gentleman, he was a big guy, he had bite inside one time. Because he was trying to keep the fish away from the shark. The shark ran between him and the spear and the fish in it. So do you think people don't want to make it seem like it was their fault? It was the shark's fault? Exactly. That's, that's what it really is. Do you think that sharks should be protected as a whole species? I think they should. I think they should. Because they they did for some reason. They did for like, like, like the whales, you protect the whales, mm-hmm. you protect the sharks to be protected too, you know. Because a lot of times they, the sharks are feeding on the sick or injured fish to keep the population healthy. Because they're the apex predators, so they feed on the slow-moving fish, the sick ones, the ones that have parasites and stuff, so that they can keep the larger population healthy and stable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a the garbage truck goes around and clean up the garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sharks clean up, clean up the ocean. Yeah. You know? Clean the sharks, do you think? Provoking the shark, yeah. yeah. Some, some fishermen provoke them. Some fishermen got deep respect for them. I, as one fisherman, have very, very much deep respect for an animal in the sea like that. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I give them this, this dude. These are the ones who shouldn't be about it. Do you think that's a lot of the younger fishermen that are thinking like that? Some of the some of the young most of the young ones there's a few of the older ones also. Mm-hmm. I would say like a 
politics and foreign government here. It is very interesting to find that the fishermen had a traditional ecological knowledge based just from their experiences, which was also cool because some of the things they were saying we had read in our own research prior to the interviews. I know. It was really cool to make those connections during the interview. It was also fascinating that even the older fishermen mentioned how important it was to educate the younger generation about the importance of sharks in the ecosystems here in South Caicos. When interviewing Clarence, our head of waterfront staff, who has a formal science background, and has had many encounters with sharks, he mentioned things with more of a Western scientific knowledge emphasis, but also related these views in a way to accommodate priorities and abilities of South Caicos. Do you think it's important to protect shark species? In order for an ecosystem, any ecosystem, any system, uh, whether it be uh, environmental or uh, manufacturing system or uh, human resource system, uh, if, if you lose a part of that system, that's critical and the system's not going to work correctly. And sharks are obviously a critical uh, element because they are an apex predator. So here on South Caicos, do you think perceptions are learned or taught? I think the perception here on South Caicos is a bit different. I don't think people fear sharks as, as much as they do in the, in the States, people who are landlocked. Uh, I think people here on South view sharks first as a, yes, that they are predators in the ocean. But I also think that they view sharks as, as trophies. Uh, I caught a shark. Uh, I think they, if they were completely afraid of sharks, they wouldn't be catching sharks. There's, there's more respect for sharks, but I don't think that it's fear. It's more respect than it is fear here on South Caicos versus in the States where it's just shark phobia. So of the shark attacks that you've heard of on South Caicos, do you think it would be the fishermen's fault or is it the shark's fault? Uh, well, I think it's very difficult to blame a shark for attacking a human. Uh, I think you'll see that in, in the majority of, and I have no data to back this up, but I think that uh, it's only anecdotal. I think that uh, uh, typically when a human is attacked by a shark, it's either the, the, the shark misidentified the human as, as, uh, as a prey. And uh, I think that here, if you, and I think that the fisherman has put himself in a position to be attacked. Mm -hmm. A, by just fishing. I mean, how's a shark supposed to know? Uh, and one thing that I find the question was, what can be done to, to help improve the shark, shark populations? What sort of, of, of laws and regulations uh, could be put in place? And I think that a lot of people would focus on, on actual fishing habits. But I think you need to focus on economic habits and uh, cultural habits. One, educating the kids so that they don't view sharks as just an animal that we need to kill. Uh, number two, working with tourism to, to find ways to make it more lucrative or, or increase the tourism uh, where tourists want to passively engage with all of the resources, natural resources of South Caicos. So 
you put people in positions where they can be owner operators as far as fish, then you don't really need the government coming down on someone saying, okay, you caught this shark. Now you're saying like these owner operators are gonna be the ones who are gonna help enforce these regulations because they'll realize just what those sharks mean to them. If they see someone coming in with a juvenile shark, hey, fuck, that's something I could have, you know, taken my guests to see. So what we need to do is look at the industry as a whole, the whole tourism. All of this is related. It's all one ecosystem regardless. But, you know, it's a, uh, there's a lot of things we can do here to protect sharks and the, the, the marine environment that don't involve regulations about catching sharks. Mm -hmm. Because you, you make res regulations, people are just gonna break them. Yeah. And you just feel good. But you have to make people feel something. Mm -hmm. Amdeep made people feel something with what he did. You saw that. Mm -hmm. That was a feeling people had. Clarence helped us realize that at least in the TCI, it is not just policy that is needed, it is different options and livelihoods alongside better education of the importance of sharks to these people. Once you present them these assets, it is easier to incorporate policy. Overall, we found that the perception was definitely mixed throughout the generations. Although there is hope that through programs like School for Fields and presenting the people of South Caicos with other options, coupled with policy, we can present them with new economic options and show them how sharks are beneficial to these livelihoods. By showing them that the Turks and Caicos archipelago is so important to protect for its geographic regions, and inadvertently by creating marine protection for sharks here in South, we also support the protection and health of other organisms in the biodiverse ecosystem. Agreed. I thought it was interesting to see the perspectives developed over the course of three days by interviewing the younger fishermen first on November 3rd, the older fishermen on November 4th, and Clarence on November 10th, we were able to develop our questions to best represent each perspective. All in all, it seemed that members of South Caicos had a base of traditional ecological knowledge of the importance of shark species, but the negative perception absorbed through different generations outweighed the positive perception. Through further education and as South Caicos expands their economy, we hope to see this bad perception towards this valuable species dissipate in the near future. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shark Bait. We hope you realize who the real shark in question is now. We're your host, I'm Morgan. And I am Conrad. Bite you next time. Thank you to all of our sponsors for making this podcast possible. Soul Iridescent Jazz Music brought to you by Adobe Premier Rush Sound Solution.